Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great album. But I also love those strange albums that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Albums. Today's episode, The New Monkeys from 1987. Here we come. Prepare and freeze your meals in advance. Take the phone off the hook. And don't even bother getting dressed. Because this Sunday is Pleasant Valley Sunday. And you're not going anywhere until you've seen all 45 Monkeys episodes in a row. Monkeys all day Sunday. Monkeys, monkeys, nothing but monkeys. And nowhere but MTV. So join us Couch Potatoes on Sunday. Not just stepping the stone. On February 23rd, 1986, MTV aired the Monkees TV series over a weekend marathon. And the reaction it got was very surprising. MTV executive Tom Freston told Rolling Stone in 1986, quote, We've never received such a volume of mail. We were dumbfounded by the whole thing. End quote. The Monkees was a 20-year-old television show that had run for two seasons on NBC from 1966 to 1968. The show centered on the adventures of the Monkees a struggling rock band from Los Angeles, California, consisting of Mickey Dolenz, Mike Nesmith, Peter Tork, and Davy Jones. It was a mix of comedy and music. The series would go on to win two Emmy Awards in 1967 for both Outstanding Comedy Series, which was considered somewhat of an upset as it beat out longtime favorites the Andy Griffith show Hogan's Heroes, Get Smart and Bewitched. It also won for Outstanding Directorial Achievement in Comedy for the episode Royal Flush, which was directed by James Frawley, who 12 years later would go on to direct The Muppet Movie. I'm Stedler. I'm Waldorf. We're here to heckle The Muppet Movie. Gentlemen, that's straight ahead. Private screening, room D. Private screening? Yeah, they're afraid to show it in public. Oh! <laughs> While the band was assembled for the TV series, they would go on to release albums as well, though originally they only provided the singing. Eventually they would go on to become a real band writing and playing on their albums. They released nine albums between 1966 and 1970, selling more than 75 million records worldwide. They had multiple international hits, including three number ones, Last Train to Clarksville, I'm a Believer, and Daydream Believer. The four members went their separate ways throughout the 70s, with some partial reunions happening here and there. In 1985, concert promoter David Fishoff approached Peter Tork about reuniting the Monkees for a 20th anniversary tour in 1986. Eventually, Mickey Dolenz and Davy Jones were convinced to join Tork, but it was harder to get a yes out of Mike Nesmith. Nesmith was now a TV and movie producer with his Pacific Arts Corporation. At one point, Nesmith had actually agreed to do the tour, but then the MTV marathon happened and no one expected Monkey Mania to return. Suddenly, their reunion tour of 20 dates was expanded to 200 dates, leading Nesmith to have to drop off the tour. Twenty years ago, the Monkees took America by storm. Now they're going to do it again with a four-month U.S. tour which officially starts Friday night in Atlantic City, New Jersey. It runs through September 29th in Westbury, New York. We asked, how does it feel to hit the road again? Well, it depends on the softness of the road. 
Are they only reuniting for the money? Yeah! Yeah! And women! (laughs) That's from MTV News on the Monkees in 1986 at their Hard Rock Cafe press conference to officially announce their big reunion tour. Their album started selling again when Nickelodeon began airing the old TV series. A new greatest hits collection entitled Then and Now The Best of the Monkees was released, and it went platinum. It even featured three brand new songs, including the top 20 hit, That Was Then, This Is Now. The success of the video on MTV led to the tour dates moving to larger venues, and the Monkees were suddenly one of the biggest live acts of 1986. Toward the end of 86, Steve Blonner of Straybert Productions and a former partner of original Monkees producers Robert Rafelson and Burt Schneider had an idea. He wanted to capitalize on the Monkees' recent success and teamed up with Columbia Pictures Television to reboot the Monkees as the new Monkees. So they did what they had done 20 years earlier. Auditions were held to put together a brand new band for a brand new sitcom. Mark Goodman here uh, in front of SIR Studios. There is about 3,000 people who have been standing online for hours and hours waiting to audition for the new Monkees, the 80s revival of the 60s classic television show. We were originally going to audition for the new Beatles, but we, we figured that uh, the new Monkees is a more important group in, in the history of American music. <laughs> It's been reported that Mike Nesmith's son Jason Nesmith and Michael Boogaloo Shrimp Chambers from Breakin' 2 Electric Boogaloo were two of the 3,000 musicians that had auditioned. Eventually, its four members were chosen. Guitarists Jared Chandler and Larry Saltis, bassist Marty Ross, and drummer Dino Kavis. All of them would sing as well. Bassist Marty Ross was not entirely new to the music business. He had been signed to CBS Records in the early 80s with his old band The Wigs. In Yahoo.com's Turn It Up, an oral history of the forgotten New Monkeys by Lindsay Parker, Ross said, quote, I was invited to go audition in Los Angeles. I walked in there and the person before me, I remember, I heard the cheer up sleepy Jean. I said, I've got to change my plan. I can sing, but that's probably not what they're looking for at this point. I thought it was kind of strange. You walked up and I saw the logo of the monkeys on the side of the door with a marker above it that said new. They said, What makes you want to be a new monkey? And I said, who said I did? I was asked to come here by my manager. I don't think you guys are really serious about calling this the new monkeys. They said, we don't think it's going to be called the new monkeys. We're going to try and call it something else. We're just doing this for the auditions and we're going to try and make it something copacetic for the American public later on. But for now, yes, it's called the new monkeys because that way it has identity. I went, oh, okay, I get that, end quote. Drummer Dino Kavis said, Quote, so yeah, we weren't very happy about being called the new monkeys, but who am I? I'm like a 20-year-old kid that went from delivering pizzas to doing a television show. Like, I'm going to tell Columbia Pictures what they're supposed to do? Hardcore fans of the original monkeys were not happy about the new monkeys. And it seemed the members of the original monkeys weren't happy either. Here's Davy Jones on MTV News. Maybe we're the ones that would find someone that would play me, play Mickey, play Peter, play Mike. We're the ones, not those guys. Have you ever heard of those guys since 20 years ago? Well, there you go. The sitcom would be distributed by Coca-Cola Telecommunications. The New Monkeys show was hardly their first attempt at rebooting things. In 1985, a collaboration between the Coca-Cola Company and Columbia Pictures had launched a reboot of What's Happening called What's Happening Now. 
and in 1986, they did the new Gidget. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The New Monkeys was sold into syndication and was planned for 22 episodes. Other than being a TV show about a band, there wasn't much in common with the 1966 Monkeys show. This struggling rock band lived in a huge mansion with a diner inside. They had a butler and a talking computer named Helen. But one thing they did have in common was an album to coincide with the TV show. So, in 1987, The New Monkeys was released on Warner Brothers Records. The New Monkeys? The who? We wish everybody every success in the world. We have no complaint with anybody. They should get real good lawyers. They should get real good lawyers. Unlike the Monkeys' 1966 debut album, The New Monkeys' debut doesn't kick off with the series' theme song. Instead, it's What I Want. What I Want was produced by Matt Wallace, who would go on to produce bands such as The Replacements, Faith No More, and Maroon 5. The song was written by Canadian songwriter Eddie Schwartz, best known for writing Pat Benatar's hit, Hit Me With Your Best Shot. What I Want was also the only song released as a single. Later in 1987, a version of What I Want featuring Christmas-themed lyrics entitled What I Want for Christmas was included on the Warner Brothers Christmas compilation Yulesville. So it looks like I've got a new candidate for an episode of Bizarre Singles on Patreon next Christmas. Remember, you can get bonus episodes every week at patreon.com slash bizarrealbums. All right. Because of the backlash, the album never seemed to really get a fair shot. The pieces were there for it to be a success. Track two was Do It Again, produced by Secret Agent Man co-writer Steve Barry, who I've talked about on the show before. And it was written by Grammy-nominated John Parr, best known for performing St. Elmo's Fire, parentheses, Man in Motion. Because of the musical element of the TV show, most of the songs on the album also have a music video, and those would be weaved into the episodes. Such was the case with I Don't Know. The episode and music video even featured appearances by the Del Rubio triplets, who had come back into prominence in 1985 thanks to one of the songwriters from last week's Richard Simmons episode, Allie Willis. She used to have them play at her parties. Lunch, gentlemen. Oh, all this acting's making me hungry. <laughs> this is the Del Rubio sisters. I think I'd better go milk the goat. You mean you're the chicks that wrote us that letter? It's a dream. 
It's just a bad Hollywood dream. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about her. Is it love or only the night? Am I doing this right? That's Tom Cochran's Life as a Highway, which went to number six back in 1991. Before going solo, Cochran fronted Tom Cochran and Red Ryder. In 1986, they had a top 40 hit in Canada with Boy Inside the Man. A year later, the New Monkees would cover it. Side two of the album kicked off with Burning Desire. Here's Ross, Saltis, and Kovis playing a little bit of it behind the scenes on the set of the TV show. You are my burning desire. Hold me close and I can feel the pain. Sweet love's got my heart on a chain. Oh, you're my burning desire. The well, in the too. midnight hour. Hey, do what I want, and then do Set what the I want. the fucking director. Shut, Shut your fucking way. Direct it. Sorry. This is not sorry. According to IMDb.com, the woman dancing in the Burning Desire music video is Catherine Hardwick, who would go on to direct the first Twilight movie. She worked in the art department at the time for the show. Much like the earlier Monkees albums, the new Monkees didn't write their own material, with the exception of Corner of My Eye, which was co-written by Larry Saltis. At only 19 years old, he was the only member of the band to get a song on the album. TV show and the album both bombed. The show's original order for 22 episodes was cut down to 13. It was pointed out in the book The Complete Directory to Primetime Network and Cable TV Shows 1946 to Present, the show was actually on the air for less time than it had taken for the producers to find the four band members. But I still haven't even talked about the TV show's theme song, which is actually the album's closer. According to the Yahoo Oral History of the New Monkeys, which I had referenced earlier, the day they recorded the song, the original Monkees were also recording in the same place at the studio next door. Dino Kovis goes on to say, quote, Marty and Larry had more involvement in the music than me. The only involvement I had musically is playing on it and singing the theme song as a fluke. But I like Turn It Up. Not because I sang it, but because we had the Tower of Power playing on it. Just watching them was incredible. 
Those aren't digital horns on there. It's Tower of Power. End quote. So get out your Bizarre Albums bingo cards because we've got another Tower of Power appearance. Though the New Monkees did play their own instruments, there were a few additional notable musicians also playing on the album. Drummer Paul Leem would coincidentally go on to tour with Mike Nesmith in 2013, and keyboardist Michael Cruz would also go on to work with Martika. Martika was originally known as a young actress under the name Marta Marrero. In the early 80s, she appeared on a television show about a group of children and teenagers who performed in their own rock group. And in the real world, they ended up releasing four albums through the show, Kids Incorporated. But that is for another time. Thank you for listening to Bizarre Albums. If you like the show, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps people find the show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Bizarre Albums, and I'm at Tony Thaxton. You can also like Bizarre Albums on Facebook and visit BizarreAlbums.com. And if you still want more Bizarre Albums in your life, sign up for weekly bonus episodes of Bizarre Singles and more at Patreon.com slash Bizarre Albums. And as always, if you know of a Bizarre Album you'd like to hear featured, please tweet the show. I'd love to hear from you. You can even email me at bizarrealbums at gmail.com. My name is Tony Thaxton, and I'll see you next time on Bizarre Albums.